This is a broadcast of Holland United Church of Christ. At Holland UCC, we seek to open the mind and engage the heart. We are a community of justice, peace, and affirmation in Holland, Michigan, where everyone is welcome to the table. Words of Integration and Guidance by Helen Luke. A caravan of men and camels crossed a desert and reached a place where they expected to find water. Instead, they found only a hole going deep into the earth. They lowered bucket after bucket into the hole, but the rope each time came up empty. No bucket and no water. They then began to lower men into the hole, but the men too disappeared off the end of the rope. Finally, a wise man among the party volunteered to go down into the hole in search of water. When the wise man reached the bottom of the hole, he found himself face to face with a horrible monster. The monster said to him, I will let you go only if you answer my question. He answered, ask your question. The monster said, where is the best place to be? The wise man thought to himself, I don't want to hurt his feelings. If I name some beautiful city, he may think I'm disparaging his hometown. Or maybe this hole is the place he thinks is best. So to the monster he said, The best place to be is wherever you feel at home, even if it's a hole in the ground. The monster said, You are so wise that I will not only let you go, but I will also free the foolish men who came down before you, and I will release the water in this well. A reading of scripture from Psalm 107, 1 through 7, and 35 through 37. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, those he redeemed from trouble, and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to an inhabited town. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and God delivered them from their distress. She led them by a straight way until they reached an inhabited town. God turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water, and there he lets the hungry live, and they establish a town to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew 23, verses 1 through 12. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Therefore do whatever they teach you and follow it. But do not do as they do, for they do not practice what they teach. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on the shoulders of others, but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. They love to have the place of honor at banquets and the best seats in the synagogues and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have people call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all students. And call no one your father on earth, for you have one father, the one in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. 
The greatest among you will be your servant. All who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. For the word of God in Scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. As a child, I was a bit picky. Picky about my clothes. If mom had something for me to wear, I generally didn't want to wear it, especially if it had buttons. I just would not wear a shirt with buttons. I hated it. So, you know, Sunday mornings were not fun for my mom if she tried to have me look presentable. And I was also a picky eater, very picky about food, and things had to be, you know, a certain way, and I knew what I liked and what I didn't like. So I was a bit of a, a picky child. My wife's wondering, oh, you were a picky child, were you? <laughs> Never saw that coming. Well, some of us can also be that way with church. Well, many things, but church among them. We want the music faster or slower. We want the songs newer or older. We want the sermon shorter or longer. Okay, maybe not that. We want it funnier or maybe less funny, more serious or less serious. We want the coffee a certain way. We want the bulletins printed the right color. I don't know what, who printed these today? Celebratory yellow is what I call it. And so we can be picky when it comes to church. But it goes deeper than that, I think. Many of us have had a love-hate, perhaps, relationship with church. Some of us have fond memories of church as a child, Sunday school lessons with a beloved uh, teacher, Christmas pageant roles as a shepherd or an angel or a wise man, church members bringing food and hugs to our homes in times of challenge or need, a pastor who encouraged us to use our gifts. And along with that, we may have other more painful memories. Being told we can't serve in leadership due to our gender or some other uh, unqualifying um, thing about us. Being told we're not welcome because we're gay or because we don't act the right way or believe the right things. Being told we need to stop asking questions. Being hurt by people we thought we could trust. Studies show that church is kind of on the downswing in our society. More people, they say, are leaving church than are coming to church. And so perhaps the popularity of the church, at least in our culture, is at a low. We just don't have the approval ratings that we used to have. And there's many reasons and many stories to go along with those statistics. And I just want to share a few voices uh, of people who have said, I'm done with church. And these were collected by a friend of mine. One person says, I left because the pressure to be perfect created an atmosphere of judgment. I don't know if or when I'll be able to go back. Another says, I'm tired of having to hide what I believe and who I am in a culture that prides itself on being welcoming, accepting, and real. And when the tagline on so many churches is come as you are, but they don't really mean it, I'm done. I was so sick and tired of it all. It was never about relationship. It was about numbers. I was tired of the masks, the facades, 
to show. Another says, The Bible and God were twisted into something ugly and frightening. I was so disgusted by the hate radiating from Christians, from churches. It made me sick. If that's what being a Christian was, what God was, I wanted nothing, absolutely nothing to do with it. Another says, We've tried to find a community of people who would accept us for who we are, and we failed. We're tired of trying. It seems so pointless and church seems fake. Questioning is not allowed. And one last one. I have questions that I'm terrified to ask because I don't want to just be slapped over the head with a Bible and have various verses spewed at me. I can't speak for the rest of my generation, but when it comes to church, I just want to feel safe. Maybe you can identify with some of that. Seems that often church doesn't have space for who we are and what we are, or who and what we are becoming. Maybe your journey has taken you to a place, a different place, spiritually and theologically, than where you began. Maybe your path doesn't look like others think it should look like. Maybe you found that you weren't as welcome among friends you've been walking with for years. You may have found that conversations at parties were suddenly more difficult, that your voice wasn't always appreciated, that some people, in fact, wanted to unfriend you. Some of us, no doubt, have longed to join this exodus away from church, and some of us, no doubt, have for a time. Even if you're here today and you want to join that club, that's just fine, we won't tell. Right? But some of us have said, I'm done with church. I've tried, and it's let me down too many times. And maybe you've taken a time or a season away, and one could hardly blame you. When you have no community, it's easy to feel like those mentioned by the psalmist that was read this morning. People wandering in desert wastelands, finding no way to an inhabited town and nothing to drink. Many of us today are like those wanderers who are looking for something to drink in the desert. And more and more we wonder whether church is really the place where we can find it. We're realizing God is bigger than we've ever been taught and that questions actually lead us to new and unexplored territory. And we're wondering if there are others who understand. Is there a place where we won't be shut out if we ask, is Jesus really God? Could a loving God actually send people to eternal conscious torment forever? If God killed all the people in the flood, isn't that kind of the same thing as genocide? If Jesus told us to love our enemies, why is our nation so intent on killing them? We've wondered whether it's safe to admit that we're not sure we believe in God at all. Or at least not the kind of God we used to think we knew. We've wondered whether it's okay to confess we're learning more about human sexuality and gender and that it's a lot more fluid 
and less defined and at the same time more beautiful and integral than we've been allowed to believe before. Many of us are looking for something that brings life to the wider community and is bigger than simply trying to fill seats or create a performance or be relevant. What we're looking for is something that is true. Not something perfect. We all know that doesn't exist. But something true, something that has integrity, something that's real. And that's hard to find. And it was hard to find even in Jesus' day. In Jesus' day when religious services were more or less mandatory at temple or synagogue. Jesus says to his audience, the scribes and Pharisees are teaching you the teachings of Moses, which are good teachings. But try to hear the words without looking too closely at their lives because it turns out there's a disconnect. The integrity is shallow. The realness is missing. The authenticity just isn't there. They're forgetting the core, the center. What we talked about last Sunday, the foundation of all of Torah is love. And instead they're piling on and piling on and piling on. And maybe you felt piled on. And when you walk in the door of a community for worship, the last thing you want is to be piled on some more. To be told you don't measure up. To be told that you're not welcome. And so maybe you've wandered in the desert. Two years ago, a few of us were feeling like such nomads together. And we started to get the feeling that perhaps we were the ones we were waiting for. And we said, why can't we start a community in Holland that is open and affirming to our LGBTQ neighbors and friends? Why can't we start a community in Holland that's theologically expansive, where questions and doubts are welcome, even expected? Why can't we start a community that's socially progressive, where we take Jesus and the prophets seriously? Why can't we start a community that's spiritually nourishing, where we're fed, encouraged, and renewed, and invited to explore the ancient text of Scripture together in such a way that it might even have some new things to say to us today? A place where questions are welcome, where you don't have to be ashamed of who you are and how you are, where we don't get hung up on theological and doctrinal quibbles, but do get fired up about love. In this process, we began to look a little more closely at the United Church of Christ, the UCC. And what we found as we explored it was a denomination that had deep historical roots, a history of social activism, an open theological stance in which it is said without apology that God is still speaking. And as we visited some local UCCs in Douglas, in Hudsonville, and elsewhere, our sense of calling to start a new UCC community in Holland grew. But please hear me say that there are already many very, very, very good churches and places of worship in Holland doing some spectacular things and people who love Jesus every bit as much as we do. And I believe that with all my heart. So please hear me say that. 
I think for some of us, though, we just had a sense that the UCC offered a combination of things that we just weren't finding elsewhere. And it just seemed like there should be such a place in Holland. And so today, we're celebrating. We're celebrating something that has nourished us, that has fed us, like streams in the desert. We found a place and people who will accept us. And in a time and in a culture where church is just not that cool and the approval ratings are down, I think that is something worth celebrating. As the wise man said to the monster, the best place to be is wherever you feel at home, even if it's a hole in the ground. We try to be more than a hole in the ground, but, you know. And so like the psalmist, we celebrate that we've experienced God and community in new ways. And at the same time, I think Jesus' words in the gospel reading are timely for us. To remember the invitation and the challenge to be real, to be authentic, to live out the things that we say we value, to practice what we preach and what we don't, to be honest and admit that and not pretend otherwise. And Jesus also reminds us of something else that's critical. He says, you are all students. You are all students. All of us, every single one of us. Now, some of us have been done with school for a long time, and maybe we didn't even like school, and so hearing Jesus say this sounds like a homework assignment coming from Jesus. There is going to be a test at the end. I forgot to mention that. No. Just kidding. So, you know, if you cringe a little bit when you hear the word student, you know, that's all right. That's all right. But I think the invitation is there to be learners. And so who and what are we to be students of? Jesus says you have one teacher, one instructor. He's inviting us to be students of himself, of his own life. And so we are to study and learn his teachings and see how he walked them out in real life. For me, a regular practice of reading the Gospels helps with that. Reading Jesus' saying, seeing how he engaged and encountered people. It also, for me, being a student of Jesus means reading books about the history and the context and the times in which Jesus lived. Because if I have these Gospels in a vacuum, I'm missing part of the larger picture but doing some of the work that historians and scholars invite us into helps us see new wrinkles and understand the complexities and often the radicality of what Jesus was saying and doing in his time and place. But we're not just to be students who learn, we're to be students who do. Students who do. And so that means we have to study, I think, our own world and our own communities because we have to do a a bit of translation because Jesus lived in one time and place and we live in another. And if we want to live out the things he's teaching, we've got to take what he did, translate it for our time and place here and now to begin to walk it out. For example, some say that the church should not have a definitive position on welcoming gay members into the church because Jesus never spoke about it. But we know there's a lot in our world that Jesus didn't speak about. He didn't speak about iPhones and Google and speed limits and genetically modified organisms either. Right? We could go down the list. There's a lot of things Jesus didn't speak explicitly about. That doesn't mean he has nothing to say on the matter. Because when we study the life of Jesus... We find that he eats 
and spends time with and socializes with the rejected in his society. And eating with someone in Jesus' day was a way of welcoming them, of fully embracing them, of being seen as a social equal with them. So he had something to lose every time, at least lose in the eyes of society. He shared a meal with the people he shared meals with. And so a student, if we're being students, would say, who are the rejected in my community? Who are the people who aren't welcome? Who aren't included? Maybe that is a person who's been rejected by family or by church because of their orientation or their identity in other ways. It may be someone who's undocumented or someone for whom English is not their first language. It may be someone who's on their third marriage and has been told, you don't measure up. A student of Jesus knows that these are exactly the people that Jesus would be with today. Jesus heals the hurting, the sick, the wounded. Who do we know that is hurting? Are we present with them, providing a healing word, a listening heart, a safe space? Jesus encourages us to keep our ears, our eyes, and our hearts open. To be students. To keep studying. To keep learning. And of course, we don't have to limit ourselves to Jesus as our teacher. I think he's speaking in hyperbole. As Wendell Berry put it, the teachers are everywhere. Everywhere. What is wanted is a learner. We can learn from other great religious traditions and teachers. We can learn from the trees, from children, from our neighbors, even from that annoying co-worker. That one's less fun, but you can learn. (laughs) And I absolutely love how Brian McLaren puts it. He says, the church must above all be a school of love. If it's not that, it is nothing. I love that. I love that. The church must above all be a school of love. Well, we're one year in, friends. We're not perfect. Not sure that's the goal. But the goal is, I think, to be students of love. To be lovers who dream of a better world. Who take steps to make it so and welcome all who wish to study and dream and journey with us. Some are done with church. And I really can't blame them. And maybe that includes you. But some of us have found that being a student of Jesus happens best in community. And yes, community is messy. But it's also beautiful and real and true when it's at its best. And I, for one, am glad to be in that mess and in that school of love with each and every one of you. Amen. And namaste.
invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Holland Area Arts Council in downtown Holland. And for more information, how to get involved, or to support our work, like us on Facebook or visit hollanducc.org. Thank you.